And we're going to be reading a familiar story. If you don't have a Bible, you can probably download one real quick. They have an app for that. Luke chapter 19, we're reading the verse 10 verses. So verses 1 through 10 in there. And as, as you turn there and as we get ready to look into that, uh, as I was reading it and studying it this week, it reminded me a little bit of our camping trip. So we took about a month ago as a whole church family, we took a camping trip together up north. And we had a ton of fun up there. It was great. It started to get a little bit competitive, though. I don't know. For those of you who were there, you might remember. There may or may not be a video circling, circulating around of me totally eating it during a scooter race, like just completely. But that's not the part I'm talking about. Uh, we also played lots of adults versus kid games. Any of you kids were there? Remember that? Do you remember us totally destroying you in Foursquare? I remember it clearly. What about dodgeball? Do you guys remember dodgeball? Oh, no, I'm sorry, kickball. It was kickball. This is how long it's been for me since I played these games. We played kickball. It was a great game at kickball until somebody, who, was it you, Steve, that kicked the ball up into the tree? I think it was you, yeah. It was an amazing kick. If those branches were in the way, it would have been a home run for sure. But the ball got lodged up into the branches, and, of course, we just couldn't leave well enough alone. It was probably like, I don't know whose it was, but it was probably just like a little dollar store ball or something, right? Like we could have got another one, had other balls laying around, we could have played. But we're like, no, no, we're getting that ball down from the tree. And it was a challenge. And so there's a bunch of guys like throwing footballs up to the ball to try to knock it down and frisbees. And we couldn't get it down. And we, did we get more stuff stuck up there? I knew we were close to that. And then... A bunch of guys, I'm sure, if you're like me, we're sitting there thinking like, I think I could climb that tree. I think I can get up there and get that. But we didn't because we were too afraid. Until Josh Latimer starts scaling that tree like nothing, like nobody's business. Like he's, he gets up that thing quick. Like I'm like, actually, this is like the worst picture I could get of him. I'm glad he's not here because he might be embarrassed. Uh, I have a picture of that. Oh, that's, the lighting's kind of bad. So from my angle, all you can see is Josh's butt. But he got up there super fast, got the ball. It was like, dude, that's awesome. Like he was our hero. And then he had a little bit harder time getting back down. But that's another story. But we were all like, that's awesome. And, and some of us guys, I think, again, if you're like me, maybe like a little bit of pride hurt. Like I, I could have done that too, you know. But we didn't because the realities we probably couldn't have. Um, and it was cool. But... You know, what's interesting is like Josh climbing up that tree in that moment was a win. And people were like applauding and cheering when he finally got the ball and he came down safely. And Jen was like, thank God we didn't end up in the hospital after this. But climbing trees for adults is not super cool in every culture. Okay. And so what we're going to read in this story today is another man, a grown man who climbs a tree. And in that time... When we read this, I want you to know this. In that time and in that culture, this was not cool. This was not, like, heroic or exciting. And it was actually very shameful for a grown man, especially a man of this person's stature, to climb a tree like a kid would climb a tree. It would be very demeaning for that person, and people would lose respect for that person. But what's interesting is this person starts off with not having a whole lot of respect from people anyway. And so you might as well go for it, right? 
And he climbs the tree because he's trying so hard to see over a crowd to see Jesus because he hears that Jesus is passing through his town. And so this man is trying so hard just to get a glimpse of this Jesus because Jesus is starting to get pretty famous now. Like he's got an entourage with him. Crowds are flocking to him. That's all about to change pretty soon. But in this moment, Jesus is pretty popular. And this man wants to see him. But what I want us to catch, I'm going to give you the the ending of this whole thing right now, okay? Is that even though this guy was trying so hard just to see Jesus, it was actually Jesus who was seeking him out. It was Jesus who went to find this man. So turn with me to Luke 19. We're going to read in verse 1. If you're able to, go ahead and stand with me as I read. Verse 1 starts with he, and that he is Jesus, as he's traveling to Jerusalem. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. This is God's word. You can have a seat. Father, we are thankful for your word, and we're thankful for this morning, this beautiful morning that we can gather together as your children, your sons and your daughters, your people. God, we pray that your word would change and transform us to make us look more and more like your perfect son, Jesus. And it's in his name we ask these things by the power of your spirit and to the glory of the Father. Amen. How many of you know the song? Tanya, you already led some kids' songs. Do you want to lead it for us? Yes, was a wee little man, was he? He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. I don't know the second part. Yeah. He looked up in that tree and he said, You come down, for I'm going to your house today. All right, good job, everyone. Well done. The kids, I don't think I've ever, our kids have never sang that song, so they're like, is this what they do over here? <laughs> uh, I actually never sung that song as a kid. I had to look at the lyrics this week to try to catch up with you who grew up in Sunday school, and I still forgot a line. So, But I knew there was a song, and then also there's another kid Bible song that came to mind as we were reading that when Jesus says, for he too is a son of Abraham. You guys know the song I'm talking about? Father Abraham. Amen. I actually did sing that one growing up. Yeah. We're done. We don't have to go through it again. Don't worry. 
So a cute little song about Zacchaeus, right? Like I just, I, when I heard that song, I pictured like this cute little Oompa Loompa of a man running around. I got to see Jesus, you know, and he's scurrying up the tree. And then for some reason, like that line when Jesus is like, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. It sounds like he's scolding him, right? Like, you little rascal, you get down from that tree, Zacchaeus. And then the song never gets to, like, the best part of that story, right? <laughs> so, I mean, it's cute. Maybe it helps us to remember part of the story. But we got to look at the whole thing, right? And we got to look at the whole thing in context, too. This is not just a cutesy little children's Sunday school story. This is an actual event that happened in the life and the time of Jesus as he walked this earth. This is an actual occurrence between two men, between Jesus, who claimed to be the son of God, the savior of all the world, the king of all creation, and a man, Zacchaeus, who was hated by his entire community. And as we look at that story and as we start to understand a little more in depth of it and get the, a fuller picture, Lord willing, this morning, we got to do that, like I said, in context. And so we've been going through Luke. And as we've been going through, there's this reoccurring theme, isn't there? There's this reoccurring theme in Luke of those who pride themselves on how good they are and how cleaned up they are on the outside and how well they do at following all the rules and Jesus come to them saying, no, 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 you're missing it. That's not how you get into the kingdom of God. And then Jesus going to those who everyone would think they're the least in the kingdom. They're the last person to get in. That's the type of person you would never expect the king of all the world to hang out with. And he goes and he eats with them. And he sits down and he hangs out with them. And he blesses them. And he invites them in and he welcomes them into the kingdom and into friendship and into his community. This theme keeps recurring over and over again. And Luke is masterful at making sure we see this. And Luke keeps beating this drum over and over again because I think he knew people reading it needed to hear it over and over again. And I think it's probably still true today for us, right? We need to keep hearing this over and over and over again. That it is not by our goodness, our deeds, our works, the ways that we can follow all the rules that gets us saved or that gets us into the kingdom of God or that gets us into relationship with the Father. But it is through Jesus himself. And when we humble ourselves and we recognize that we actually need him, that's the best place for us to be. And so we see this happening all throughout Luke, and, he, and he's, Jesus is telling it through stories and parables, and then you're seeing real-life examples of that. And so last week, Anthony was preaching on a parable Jesus told to kind of paint that picture. And it was a parable, if you remember, a story of two people in the temple. Who were they? A Pharisee and a tax collector, right? All right, we got a tax collector in this story too today, don't we? So Jesus is telling a made-up story of a Pharisee and a tax collector. A Pharisee, a religious leader, someone who was following all the rules, and in Jesus' story was actually going above and beyond all the rules. Like, this was the dude. But he's so prideful about the ways that he's living that Jesus says he, he doesn't go home justified. 
the man, the, the tax collector who's standing there and is sorry for the way he's lived and recognizes he does not deserve God's grace, he's the one who actually gets it. And if you don't know, kids who are in here with us today, if you don't know what a tax collector is, like, what's the big deal about a tax collector, right? Maybe you've heard your parents talk about, like, how much they hate paying taxes. So maybe you understand, like, oh, okay, if, if this is someone collecting those taxes, my parents don't like giving those taxes over, so I understand you wouldn't like this person. But this is, like, even worse. This is not IRS tax man, adults that we know today. So a tax collector in that time and Anthony talked a little bit about this last week if you were here. This was like an entrepreneur. What happened was the Roman government came in and they took over the nation of Israel. And so they were in charge, they were in power, and they were collecting taxes, just like they would collect taxes from all their citizens, they collected it from the Israelites too. But it was very difficult not knowing the Jewish customs and the ways that they lived and the ways that they collected and kept their money for a Roman official to go in and know how to tax it appropriately. So what they did is they said, we need for this region X amount of money. Who wants to be our collector of that money? You could buy into this, it's a business, and you yourself can become very rich. So what, it would, what I would do is I would say, if I need to collect $100,000 from this region, then what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna say, hey, Steve, how would you like to be rich? Here's what I'm going to do. You know this region. It's your people. You're from there. For $40,000, you pay me. You become the tax collector, and you get my stamp of approval. You go in, and everyone has to listen to you. So I want you to go, and I want you to collect the money. I need $100,000 this year from this region. I don't care how you get it or who you get it from. And Steve goes, that's awesome. How do I make money at this? And I go, I just need 100000 You collect whatever you want to collect. You see what happens there? So when he comes around and he goes, John, the Roman government, they need, uh, they need $40 from you today. When really, I only needed 20 from John today. And what Steve does is he takes that other 20 and he pockets it. And the Jewish people were not dumb. They knew exactly what was going on. This was what the tax collector was doing, is they were actually betraying their own people to get rich. Make sense? This is why when Jesus tells the story of a Pharisee and a tax collector, and people are going, this Pharisee follows all the rules, of course this is the hero of the story, and Jesus flips it on them, people get a little angry. So you get that story in Luke 18, and as we go forward, you have this scene after scene of people trying to come to Jesus and everyone else thinking, no, 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 you need to turn them away. And Jesus goes, no, 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 let them come to me. The people who are in low status, low social status, the people who are oppressed, the people everyone thought less of, and that includes, like I said earlier, children who are trying to come to Jesus. It includes a blind man who's calling out for Jesus to save him and to help him see again. And each time, his disciples are like, no, 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 no. go away. Jesus doesn't have time for you. You realize who this is? This is the Messiah. This is the king. And Jesus goes, no, bring them here. Bring them to me. Time and time again, setting up this reality that Jesus has come, not for everyone who thinks they've got it all together, but exactly for those who know that they are in need. And so you get this story of a tax collector and a rich Pharisee who's got it all together, and then Luke very purposefully puts two real-life stories that tie into that 
parable Jesus told. So in Luke 18, you get this other encounter with Jesus and another man. And this really happened where a rich young man comes to Jesus. And this is a man who's similar to the Pharisee in the story he told. He's, we're not told he's a Pharisee in real life, but he's a guy who's got it all together. And he's a guy who's following all the rules, obeying all the laws, doing all the right things. And he comes to Jesus and he goes, how do I get into the kingdom? And Jesus goes, you know the laws, right? And the guy's like, yeah. I, listen, I follow all all the laws. I, I obey all of them. I do all the right things. And Jesus goes, okay, here's what I want you to do. All that money you have, are you willing to give it up? Because there's a lot of people who need it. And you got a lot. Are you willing to give it to those who are in need? And say, I don't, I don't need that anymore. I found a better treasure. I don't need all these riches anymore because I'm going into the kingdom of God and I'm going to be with the king. Can you give all that up and come and follow me? And trust that I will take care of you, every need that you have. But you will find a much greater reward for your soul. And the guy goes away sad. He can't do it. See, this, he's following all the right rules. He's doing all the right things on the outside, right? But his heart is not there. He's doing it to earn the approval of God. He's doing it to get God in his debt, in a sense. If I do all the right things, God's got to bless me. God's got to let me into his kingdom, right? And he goes, no, 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 no. You see, you're doing it for stuff. If I ask you to give up all that stuff, what's going to happen? And all the people around hearing this, they go, Jesus, who can be saved then? Like this guy had it all together. Think of the best person you know right now. Just so you guys know, I'm thinking of my wife. Think of the best person you know. Like, I want to be like this person when I grow up type of person. That's got that person in your head. And imagine Jesus coming to them and saying, will you follow me if you've got to give up this? And he exposes this thing that like, they are just enthralled with and they love. And you never saw it before because they hit it so well. And all of a sudden they go, no, I can't do that. And they turn away sad. And you're there and you're like, what just happened? And Jesus goes, it's so hard for someone who's rich and loves money to come into the kingdom. Because this is their treasure instead of me. And all of his followers are like, then who, Jesus? Who can be saved? Do you guys know what he says after that? With man, it is what? Impossible. But with who? God, all things are possible. We have this story Jesus tells of a Pharisee and a tax collector, one who's doing all the right things, misses the point, one who's a sinner but recognizes he's in need, and he gets forgiveness. Then you have a real life encounter with a guy like that Pharisee in the story. And he's doing all the right things and he misses it. And now in Luke 19, we turn the page and Luke is now giving us the follow-up story. That second person in that parable we see here. Now Jesus has a real life encounter with the tax collector. The guy who nobody expects to be into the kingdom. 
the guy who nobody wants to be around themselves. I mean, think about it. When I was at Disneyland and there was a parade, my son Liam could not see what was going on, right? Liam, will you stand up for everybody? He won't do it, but it's, he's not much taller than when he's sitting down right now, when he stands up, okay? It's about the same height. So dude can't see, right? What do I do? I, I love this boy, so I pick him up and I put him on my shoulders so that he can see over the crowd. Zacchaeus is a short man, a wee little man was he, and he hears Jesus is coming into town, and there's a huge crowd. Now, do you think if this was a respected person in the community, people would be like, hey, yeah, come on here. Get up here. Come see. Maybe not hoist him up on their shoulders. Probably not. But like, let's let this dude in. Let's let him come see. A lot of people actually think in this text that when it says he was small of stature, not only is it talking about his physical stature, but his stature in the community. Nobody liked this guy. He's stealing from you. Are you going to let him squeeze in to the crowd and get up front so he could see Jesus? No way. This guy's a jerk. We hate him. Nobody likes Zacchaeus. Let's box him out, right? You're going to get a bunch of people like Steve, his height, and they're all going to just like make a wall, right? Building walls for people. And then Zacchaeus can't see over Steve. So what does he do? He's got to climb a tree. Nobody likes Zacchaeus because not only is he a tax collector, we're told he's the chief tax collector. This is the only person in scripture who gets that description, that title, chief tax collector. Now, this could mean a couple things. It could mean that Zacchaeus was overseeing other tax collectors too. Like, he's sending out his little minions. It's like a pyramid scheme in a sense, right? Like, you go collect money for me, and you could pocket some, but bring some to me too. I'm going to pocket some. We'll finally get the rest over to Caesar. So it could be this. So he's like the worst of them all. He's running the show. Or could also mean that word chief tax collector is similar to the way Paul talked about himself as the chief of sinners, right? This is like the worst guy. The way that he went around collecting taxes was the worst. Like, he was really, really sticking it to the people. So it could also mean that. Either way, you can see why nobody would like him, right? So he, he's getting boxed out. He can't see Jesus, but he really wants to. And what does he do? He climbs up a what? What kind of tree? Do you guys ever wonder why Luke chose to put that in there? Like, what does it matter what kind of tree it is, right? So this is one of the things that as I was reading this week, I'm like, all right, I, I know the, the song. I know the kid's story. I never actually read and questioned why certain things are actually there in the text. Like, because Luke could have just said he, he climbed up a tree, right? We all would have gotten that picture. But this guy who's very purposeful in all his words, who's laying out this narrative for us to understand something, by the way, all of it's being inspired and breathed out by the Spirit of God. Spirit of God tells him, make sure you tell him it's a sycamore tree. What's that got to do with anything? I mean, it was probably just the kind of tree that grew there. So, of course, he climbed up a sycamore tree. But why does Luke think it's important for us to know that? Do we have any uh, botanical experts in here? What was that? 
Dude, how do you know this? You're growing gardens in your backyard, Chris? <laughs> Just studying, huh? That's good. So fig tree. The sycamore tree and the fig tree are close relatives. They're very, very similar. They're both fica trees. I had to, I had to look all this up. I could have just called Chris. They're practically the same kind of tree, right? Remember, so if you've read it before, as we move forward in the story of Luke, Jesus is going to enter into Jerusalem. As he does, he's going to pass a fig tree that's not bearing any fruit. You guys remember that story? And he, he actually curses it because it's not bearing fruit. So we have a sycamore tree and a fig tree. They both actually grow very similar fruit too, except there's one difference. You don't want to eat the fruit from a sycamore tree. Why? Because it's bitter. It doesn't ripen the same way that a fig tree does. Figs are kind of sweet. I love fig newtons. I don't know about you guys. I don't think that's quite uh, what f- actual figs taste like, but nonetheless, they're good. Figs are a little sweet. The fruit from a sycamore tree is super bitter and a little rougher, okay? You don't want to eat that unless you have someone who's tending to the sycamore tree. Do you know how to get sycamore fruit to taste good? Chris probably does. What you do is you go around with a sharp tool and you pierce each fruit. You let some of that bitter juice flow out. You let it open up and it starts ripening faster. You pierce every single fruit so that it actually tastes good. There's actually uh, one of the, I think it's Amos, one of the prophets of the Old Testament, like this was his role. He was a, he was a tender of sycamore trees. It was one of the things he did. So this was a real thing. You had to go in and pierce the fruit in order for it to produce fruit that is edible, that is good, that is pleasing. And I think what Luke's doing here is he's given us two pictures. Like, here's Zacchaeus, this man who was wicked, sour to the community. Nobody wants to be around Zacchaeus, climbing up that sycamore tree. And Jesus pierces his heart. Jesus opens him up. Jesus changes him completely. And then we get this story soon after of Jesus going by and seeing a fig tree that should produce good, tasty fruit, and it's not producing anything. Like that Pharisee in his story or the rich young man who approached him who looks really nice on the outside but is not producing fruit from his heart because he's not rooted in the vine dresser. He's not rooted in the living water. He's not rooted in the kingdom and in Jesus. You see what he's doing here for us? Like Luke is so good at this stuff. And a lot of times we miss it because we're just skimming the surface. And like we've been going through just one small part of each chapter of Luke each week. I hope what that's doing for us, you guys, is that's causing us, it's, it's stirring within us a joy and a desire to go and dig more. I hope you're reading the rest of Luke. I hope you're digging into this chapter and you're seeing the patterns and the things. You're picking up what Luke's putting down because it's so good. So Zacchaeus goes up into this tree because he wants to see Jesus. 
But what we're told, what we find out, is that Zacchaeus wasn't the seeker. Right? They're playing hide and seek. Zacchaeus isn't the one who's going and finding. He's trying so hard to see Jesus, but he's, he's doing it from up in this tree, and he, he can barely see him, and he can't even get down to Jesus. But Jesus comes, and as he passes that tree, he looks up, he spots him, and he says, Zacchaeus, stop right there. He knows his name, doesn't he? They've never met before, but Jesus knows this guy's name. Zacchaeus, and everybody in the crowd is like, He's talking to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is going to get it now. If Jesus knows who Zacchaeus is, then he knows how wicked he is. And Jesus goes, Zacchaeus, I want you to come down because I'm going to go to your house today. No, no, no. I must go to your house today, he says. This has to happen. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't invite people into my home that I don't want in my home, right? And I don't go hang out at someone else's home if I don't really want to hang out with them. And that's like spirits working on my heart with that, okay? That's got to change. Because Jesus is entering into homes of Pharisees and tax collectors. And Jesus is inviting people to his table all the time that nobody else would want to be around. In this custom and in this culture, the person you sat down with and ate with What you're saying is, this is my community. This is my friend. Zacchaeus, who has no friends, Jesus says, I want to be your friend. I want to dine with you. I want to eat with you. I want to sit at the table with you. I want to be in community with you. And of course, Zacchaeus hurries down, right? Of course. Like, nobody likes this guy. They're boxing him out. They don't want him around. And Jesus, like the most famous person of this time right now, Jesus, who is claimed to be from God, Jesus, who is healing people, Jesus, who is preaching good news, wants to be my friend? (laughs) I'm in. I'm coming down off this tree, right? And we get a very different picture from Zacchaeus than we do from the rich young man, don't we? This rich young man is following all the rules. Zacchaeus is breaking all of them. This rich young man is probably highly esteemed in his community. Zacchaeus, ostracized, hated. This rich young man, the only thing they have in common is they're both rich. But people are probably thinking, this dude got it from obeying God, and God is blessing him. And this dude, Zacchaeus, got it from extortion, crimes, betrayal. And then you have the rich young man who's asked to give it all to the poor, and he turns away. But Zacchaeus, when his bitter heart is pierced, what does he say? Everyone's grumbling. He's going to be the guest of a man who's a sinner, And Zacchaeus says, half of my goods I give to the poor. He didn't have to be asked. Jesus had to ask the other guy, are you willing to do this? 
And his response is no. Zacchaeus, just by being brought into community with Jesus, changes completely. He's not even asked. And he goes, I'm going to give half of what I have away. And then, if I've wronged anyone, yeah, you totally have, Zacchaeus. If I've wronged anyone or defrauded them of anything, I will restore it fourfold. That means four times what I took, guys. I want you to think about this. The math on this, the way it adds up, Zacchaeus is going to go bankrupt. Right? Like, if I took $100 from you, Bethany, and now i got to pay you back $400, I'm in some trouble, aren't I? Thank you, Ethan. So what he's saying is, not only am I giving half of what I have to the poor, I'm, gonna, I'm willing to give it all. I'm willing to go into debt in order to restore what I've taken. Not because Jesus asked him to do it, but because Jesus welcomed him in. Because Jesus pierced his heart. Because Jesus changed him as a human being. And all of a sudden, this man who was making a living, a really, really good living off of extortion and crime and betrayal, off of hurting his own community members, all of a sudden, he's now willing to lay his whole life down and to be hurt himself for the sake of others. They still hated him at this point. He's got no reason to do it. Except he's encountered Jesus. The questions for this morning, you guys, is what's that thing that we're holding on to? And Jesus is saying, are you willing to lay that down and come follow me? Because the man who was following all the right rules missed out on the kingdom. Because he was grabbing onto that tightly. The man who was messing it all up, made a mess of his life recognized the need he had and was willing to lay all of what he had down in order to be with Jesus. Ask yourselves, what is that thing for me? Spirit, will you help me to lay that down too? Jesus, pierce my heart. And this is what he says. Jesus says, salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus, I came looking for you. You weren't looking for me. This is Jesus' whole mission, to seek and to save the lost. It's not the well who need a doctor, it's the sick. Jesus has come for all of us. And I love this. He says, this guy is a son of Abraham too. That's our other kid song this morning, right? In Luke 3, in Luke chapter 3, John, Jesus' cousin, you know, who went out baptizing people, kind of crazy John, and telling them, get ready for the kingdom, the king is coming. He says this absurd thing that shocked everyone around him. Because here's the thing, all these people, the Jewish people were expecting that because I come from the bloodline of Abraham, the guy that God chose thousands of years ago, he came to and said, I will be your God, you will be my people, I will make a great nation out of you, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing to the other nations. Well, if you trace my bloodline back, I'm a descendant of Abraham, they would say, and so I am part of God's promise. And John says this crazy thing to them right now. He goes, 
in Luke chapter 3, verse 7, he says to the crowds that came out to be baptized, you brood of vipers. That's some harsh talk right there. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. He's saying, turn away from all that stuff that you hold on to and cling to so dearly. He says, don't begin to say to yourselves, well, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Who is the son of Abraham? Whoever God calls to be in his family. Right? Not because you come from that bloodline. God will raise up children out of these stones if he wants to. And what he's doing with Zacchaeus is he's taking this heart of stone and he is breaking it and melting it and turning it into a heart of flesh. And he is making him alive. He is piercing that bitter fruit and helping him to produce good spirit. He is changing who he is completely. He now, not because of his bloodline, because he's a Jewish man, but because he has come to Jesus as a son of Abraham. That's good news, you guys. You and I, no matter what we've done, where we've been, what we placed our trust in, the things that we're building up for ourselves in our kingdom, in our bank account, in our workplaces, none of that matters. None of that will save you. None of that will bring you to God. But Jesus comes to seek and save the lost. Jesus is willing to come and pierce your heart so that you will see him too. And just as he opened in in chapter 18, the blind man's eyes to see, he does this for Zacchaeus. And he wants to do it for you and for me. This theme of trees we see all throughout scripture too. And I want to end with this, but you guys, this this is Jesus coming to seek the lost. The very beginning of the story of the Bible, we have two people who are hiding from God among the trees, we're told, in chapter 3 of Genesis. They go and they hide in the trees because of shame and fear and guilt. They don't want God to find them. Zacchaeus goes up into the tree to see Jesus, and Jesus goes and finds him. Jesus pierces his bitter heart, that bitter fruit of the sycamore so that he could see. And not long from now, from this point of the story, Jesus himself is going to climb a tree. You know, that's what scripture calls it, right? That cross, it was wooden planks from trees cut down and nailed together. And Jesus would be put up on the top of that tree in order to fulfill his mission to come and seek and save the lost. And he would be pierced. His body would be pierced so that good fruit could come and flow through you and I. Jesus, just like Zacchaeus was willing to bankrupt himself, Jesus did the ultimate of giving up all of his life, all of his self, bankrupting everything he had, even entering into death, so that you and I, the poor, the impoverished, the outcast, the sinner, we could be welcomed into his table, into his community.